You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Komoi had long black hair and a fair complexion, and her face was very lovely. Moreover, she was a fearless rider whom neither the fiercest horse nor the roughest ground could dismay. And so dexterously did she handle sword and bow that she was a match for a thousand warriors and fit to meet either god or devil. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, hello, hello. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past. Thank you for tuning in to For the Love of History, where we talk about women's history, world history, and weird history. Can you believe that For the Love of History has reached its one year anniversary? Anniversary? <laughs> one year anniversary? I, I simply cannot. I can't even say it correctly. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my mushy-gushy little heart. I honestly can't thank you all enough, really, for your support and your kind messages and the reviews that you have left. I have a special thank you announcement at the end of our episode, so stay tuned. And before I start to get all teary-eyed, let's move on to our topic for today, okay? So, if you like kick-ass ladies, samurai chopping people's heads off, and romance, then you're going to love our topic today. Tomoe Gozen, the woman who went from concubine to warrior. I'm going to need you to put on your most fierce warrior face and grab the nearest weapon because it's time to get to it. We don't know diddly squat about Tomoe Gozen's early life. And I feel like we just went through this. Last week, we knew diddly squat about Safo's early life. And the theme continues. Where was she born? When was she born? Who was her mother? Her father? Did she have siblings? Did she prefer the toilet paper to roll from above or below? And just a side note, if you have it roll from below, you are a monster, my friend. And I hope... I hope you're not a monster, but I digress. We only know Tomoe Gozen, the warrior. But you know what? Tomoe Gozen isn't even her real name. Yeah, I know. Tomoe is an identifying pattern that was on her shoulder pads, and Gozen was an honorific term used for women, kind of like lady so-and-so or madam blah blah blah. Even our girl's name is a mystery. And once again, I hear you asking, 
Why are we here, TK? I was led to believe there was a story. Oh, a story there is, my dear inquisitive friend. Tomoe's rise from concubine to commander of a thousand warriors was well documented in the Heiki Monogatari, which is like Japan's Iliad or Odyssey. It's like a semi-historical epic poem of events that happened in Japan pre-1330. She's the only Onobugeisha to be mentioned in the Heiki Monogatari, which means she was a big freaking deal. But in order to explain why she was such a big deal, we've got to go back to the Genpei War in 1180. And you know what that means. Time machine time. So let's hop in and go. Welcome to Japan in the year 1180. To your left, you'll see a palace wherein women and men are writing poetry and making art. And to your left, you'll see a valley filled to the brim with samurai fighting to the death. It's, it's a weird time, the Genpei War. And as exciting as the art and poetry is, our focus today is on the war aspect of this time. So Japan was a divided nation. If you could even call it a nation, really, two clans were fighting over who would fill the role of shogun, the next military leader of Japan. The emperor was a thing, but he had no real power because he was kind of a baby. Not an actual baby, but he might as well have been one. <laughs> the Taira and the Minamoto clans were the ones with the real power. These weren't just tiny little local clans. All of Japan was split into these two clans. Even if you weren't blood-related to the head dudes or dudettes or do people, <laughs> you could still be considered a member. These two clans, the Taira and the Minamoto, had been fighting for ages and ages. And the final battles over power came between 1180 and 1185, creating the Genpei Wars. And this is where the story of Tomoe Gozen begins. Tomoe was on the side of the Minamoto clan. She started out as the concubine of Minamoto no Yoshinaka. Sometimes he's also referred to as Kiso no Yoshinaka. Sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second. So he was a super duper high up their lord for the Minamoto clan. We don't know exactly when... Tomoe Gozen became Minamoto no Yoshinaka's concubine, but we do know that she was fairly young. Tomoe Gozen's duties as a concubine were not just in the bedroom. She was also a warrior. During this time, many women were trained as onabugeisha, also known as samurai women. I'm just going to give you a quick little rundown of what an onabugeisha is. There's like a whole episode on them specifically. If you haven't listened to it, pause this, go listen, come back. We'll be here waiting for you. Okay, welcome back. So, very brief review of onabugeisha. <laughs> they were usually defensive fighters using their long pole-like swords called naginata. Japanese women were allowed education, strength, and independence 
wives would rule in their husband's absence and just take care of everything. Samurai wives learned the art of war and even some followed their husbands into battle, but once again usually in a defensive position on the battlefield. But women who showed particular skill on the offensive were a little different than onabugeisha. They were actually called onamusha. The onamusha were on the front lines in, a, in an offensive position, usually using a Japanese katana or Japanese sword, which was typically a male weapon. Before the early 2000s, the onamusha were thought to be extremely rare. But in a dig of the Battle of Senbon Matsuburu, Baru, sorry, Senbon Matsuburu, oh my god, the Battle of Senbon Matsubaru, <laughs> DNA tests on 105 bodies excavated there revealed that 35 of them were women. And according to Stephen Turnbull, the writer of the book Samurai Women, the details on the excavation confirm that women warriors were almost certainly present on the battlefield and made up a larger percentage than previously thought, which is super rad. So among these onamusha, Tomoe Gozen was an absolute standout. As she was training and fighting along with her other concubine duties, she caught the eye of her buthang, Kiso no Yoshinaka. When the Genpei War started up, he was like, Hey girl, come fight with me. You don't just have to stay in my palace. Let's go cut some heads off. And she was like, yes. She said yes so quick. They were in love. It was like a love-love thing. We don't know a lot about her early life, but boy, do we know about her love life. These two were almost like, the badass version of Romeo and Juliet, but we'll get to that, okay? So Tomoe Gozen and Kisano, Kiso no Yoshinaka went off to battle together. The two were side by side in every single battle. Tomoe Gozen eventually earned Kiso no Yoshinaka's trust and the trust of his 1,000 plus samurai army. She was eventually made commander of his armies and given the title Ippo no Taisho, which means the number one commander. There were none above her other than her bow, Kiso no Yoshinaka. All of this we know for sure happened. She was in countless battles between 1180 and 1185. But what happened during those battles? is another story. Welcome to Hashtag History. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And if you are a history nerd, or even if you are a history hater, this is the podcast for you. Even if history was your least favorite subject in school, we can guarantee you will like this podcast because we talk about all the things that your history textbooks did not. That's things like how Ted Kennedy drove his car off a bridge and was able to escape the car but left a woman inside to die and didn't report it until a day later. Or how the pharaoh Akhenaten was so disliked by Egyptians that they literally purged his name from nearly all of their records and pretended like he never existed. Or how the FBI had a file on Frank Sinatra that was 2,000 pages long. Or even 
how on opening day at Disneyland, it was so hot and the pavement had been so recently poured that women's heels sunk into it. And we do all of this while drinking a custom-made cocktail specific to that week's episode. So grab a drink, take a seat, and hang out with us each week as we learn all about history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Hashtag history can be found on all major podcast platforms, and that's hashtag spelled out, hashtag history. We can also be found on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. As much as I love the Heiki Monogatari, that book can be a downright liar pants sometimes and contradicts itself hard. One legend says that she chopped off the heads of seven great samurai in a single battle and skewered them all on her naginata while she used her katana, her sword, to chop off their heads one after another, all the while riding her horse. Another legend says that she and Kiso no Yoshinaka tied torches onto the horns of bulls and charged at a Tyra clan army to scare the ever-living shiznit out of them because the Tyra outnumbered them. And apparently, this worked brilliantly, and they won. But I want to know, where did they get enough bulls for all of the samurai to ride on? Because there was not a lot of cattle during that time. Questions. I have questions. Make it make sense. Heiki monogatari. But anyways, Tomoe goes in and Kisono Yoshinaka did some badass military maneuvers on those Taira armies and were one of the most successful factions of the Minamoto clan. Quick spoiler alert. I'm about to ruin the end of the Genpei War for you. But... It's also been a few thousand years, so I feel like you'll get over it. (laughs) In the end, the Minamoto clan wins the Genpei War, and it is due in large part to the efforts of Tomoe Gozen. Now we're at the end of the Genpei War. The Minamoto clan wins. Hooray! I know what you're thinking. Everyone should be all happy group hugging, high fives all around, but no, double crossings all around. Kisono Yoshinaka is just one of the top dudes of the Minamoto clan. Him and his cousin are like the two top dudes, and they both think that they are going to be the next shogun, the next big military leader boss of the country. So what happens? They use their words and they talk it out. No, you sweet summer child, they don't. They don't talk it out. They fight to the death in an epic battle, the likes of which samurai had never seen and would never see again. This tale, this battle, is so epic that it takes up a whole ass chapter in the Heiki Monogatari. It's chapter four and it's called The Death of Lord Kiso. Let me read from this epic chapter. Kisono Yoshinaka had brought with him from Shinano two female attendants, Tomoe and Yamabuki. Yamabuki 
had fallen ill and stayed in the capital. Of the two, Tomoe was especially beautiful, with white skin, long hair, and charming features. She was also a remarkably strong archer, and as a swordswoman, she was a warrior worth a thousand, ready to confront a demon or god, mounted or on foot. She handled unbroken horses with superb skill. She rode unscathed down perilous descents. Whenever a battle was imminent, Yoshinaka sent her out as his first captain, equipped with strong armor, an oversized sword, and a mighty bow. She performed more deeds of valor than any of his other warriors. Thus, she was now one of the seven who remained after all the others had fled or perished. Even then, Tomoe remained alive. Quickly now, Lord Kiso said to Tomoe, you are a woman, so be off with you. Go wherever you please. I intend to die in battle or kill myself if I am wounded. It would be unseemly to let people say Lord Kiso kept a woman with him during his last battle. Reluctant to flee, Tomoe rode with the others until she could resist no longer. Then she pulled up. Ah, if only I could find a worthy foe, I would fight a last battle for his lordship to watch. She thought as she sat there. Thirty riders came into view, led by Onada no Hachiro Moroshige a man renowned in Musashi province for his great strength. Tomoe galloped into their midst, rode up alongside Moroshige, seized him in a powerful grip, pulled him down against the pummel of her saddle, held him motionless, twisted off his head, and threw it away. Afterward, she discarded helmet and armor and fled toward the eastern provinces. So remember when I said the Heiki Monogatari was a liar pants sometimes? Here is one of those times. As strong and powerful and wonderful as Tomoe Gozen was, I'm sure that she did not rip a man's full head off. A grown, <laughs> a grown man's head off with her bare hands. And we also don't know if Kisano Yoshinaka really said all that awful stuff about not wanting to die next to a woman. Many scholars believe that the Heiki Monogatari was projecting the gender roles and social norms of its time on the battle. The Heiki Monogatari was written much later, and women's roles in society were dramatically different. I am of the personal opinion that it is a crock of shit because there is no way that Kiso no Yoshinaka would have brought Tomoe Gozen with him on all of these different battles and then made her the commander-in-chief of his full army and all of that business had her with him all of the time, rode fiery flaming bulls with her into battle, and then at the very end been like, no, no, it's embarrassing to be next to a girl when I die. I call bullshit 
Make it make sense, Heiki Monogatari, once again. But what do you think? I want to hear from you. Was he really embarrassed, do you think? Or was there another reason? Let me know. Tell me what you think. Leave a comment on this episode's post on Instagram. Or tweet me, because I've got Twitter now. (laughs) So what happened to Tomoe Gozen after she rode out to the eastern provinces? Well, we have absolutely no idea, but we've got many a theory. Some say she was captured by the rival Minamoto's leader and then forced to become his concubine. And then she gave birth to the legendary strongman Asahino Saburo Yoshihide. Others say that she became a Buddhist nun and she recited sutras on behalf of the late Lord Kiso no Yoshinaka's soul until her death at the ripe old age of 91. But my personal favorite says that she avenged Kiso no Yoshinaka by killing his attackers, stealing back his head so no one else could defile it, and then she walked out into the sea, head in hand, to drown. Like a badass Juliet. Suck on that, Shakespeare. That's a way better story. (laughs) Sorry to anybody who loves Romeo and Juliet, but I like that story better. But still, other legends pop up, and sometimes parts of all three of these legends get kind of blended together to create a new one. There's one temple that claims to have been founded in the 12th century with the purpose of mourning Lord uh, Kisono Yoshinaka. Legend has it that Gijuchi Temple was built because Tomoe built a thatched hut near his grave, near Kisano Yoshinaka's grave, and began holding memorial services there. And she was also buried at that site when she died. And therefore, people built a big old fancy temple to commemorate the two of them. But we really don't know. There's no hard evidence to support that. But regardless of what happened to her, her name and legend lives on in the hearts of everyone who hears her tale. Alrighty, my friend, it's time for our final thought. So what has become of our girl Tomoe Gozen? Has she been forgotten? Is she simply another historical figure trapped in the dusty pages of a textbook? Forgotten on a shelf somewhere in a library far, far away? No, my dear friend. She lives on in an annual festival held in Kyoto. It's called the Festival of the Ages, or Jidai Matsuri, one of Kyoto's three great festivals. The Jidai Matsuri happens every year on October 22nd, and uh, a really big pageant parade thing called the Jidai Gyoretsu is the highlight of a festival, of the festival. It's a five-hour, two-kilometer pageant parade featuring 2,000 people dressed as historical figures from Japan's earliest recorded times up in up to the Meiji period, which is about 12, 1912. 
and important figures from the Genpei War era are, of course, there. This is like a Japanese history lover's fever dream. It's, it's amazing. I have never been there, but it is on my bucket list. But I have watched YouTube videos of people who go, and it's amazing. So like I said, figures from the Genpei War are well represented in this pageant. And Tomoe Gozen is also there. She rides among them in a really funny but beautiful combination of like courtly Michael Geisha makeup and also like warrior regalia in her armor with her swords, her weapons. It's amazing. I'll put a picture on Instagram for you so you, that you can see. And if you ever find yourself in Kyoto in October, I really hope that you stop by the parade and you see the warrior woman for yourself. Tomoe Gozen. That's all I have for you today, my dear friend. Thank you so, so much for being here with me today for this one-year anniversary episode. I'm so happy you came. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review or a few stars, preferably five. And here's our special announcement. If you leave a review on any podcasting platform that allows reviews and send me a message... I will send you a new For the Love of History sticker. We have a new logo, new stickers, and new merch that you can purchase. We've got t-shirts, we've got mugs, we've got sweaters, we've got masks. There's like a water bottle thing. It's amazing. You should get some. I got some. I love it. You'll love it. So there are links in the bio of my Instagram and Twitter to that merchandise website and to all of my social media thingies. And if you're not listening on a platform where you can review, you can also become a member on Patreon and get a welcome sticker, which is amazing. So finally... If you know someone in your life who would enjoy For the Love of History, who would enjoy this podcast, this episode, get out your phone, text them right now, and let them know so you don't forget. Okay? Did you do it? Cool. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you drink your water. I hope you take care of yourself. I hope you eat something delicious today. And I will see you on April 16th when we talk about Victorian medicine that will kill you. Bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay.